What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 113 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for Wednesday, October 17th. I am here with the reluctant Mike Brown. How are you doing, Mike? Reluctant? Okay, that's interesting. I kind of, uh, ha- I kind of <laughs> have to pull pull your leg to uh, to record today. Don't don't lie. Yeah, but like I I, I didn't know what we were doing. Like I had no idea because th- th- sometimes sometimes folks. We don't know what we're doing until like an hour before we start recording. Which was the case for this episode. Exactly. I thought we were doing one thing and then I was like, well, we should take more time if we're going to do this one thing. And then he's like, and then Josh thought differently. So, but you know. Well, I, could, just goes, I couldn't do the one thing. Uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, it was scheduling conflicts, basically. Yeah, exactly. And it, it goes to show you that um, we definitely should be... A, communicating more and more consistently <laughs> but like that's that's just a work in progress that's that's really what that is after two years we yeah. still haven't got it down yet but uh <laughs> you know i mean it's one of those things for me where it's like the trifecta of my life is like podcast youtube channel band so i'm constantly mm-hmm. trying to juggle those three things and well, my trifecta is podcast youtube actually it's a quad it's a quad it's a podcast youtube work and school. school yeah so when i get done with the podcast especially when i have to come home and edit it at like 2 a.m in the morning i'm like fuck the podcast for like a week you know i'm like <laughs> i don't want to think about it for a week but but when we're planning bigger episodes we do need to uh convene yeah. at some point and be like mm-hmm. hey let's do some research and stuff um so yeah, yeah but that's gonna happen there there will be some big halloween episode damn it like if i have anything to say about it <laughs> it might be uh satanic panic it might be zodiac it might yeah so it's gonna be probably yeah. one of those things but anyway mike's got to go to work soon and uh you know i do too kind of it's weird that we both have jobs now i'm used to yeah. being the only one in this relationship that works I know. Mike stays at home all day and does the laundry and takes care of the kids. <laughs> and I come home wearing my business suit and my briefcase. Uh, and Honey, I'm home. <laughs> Mike's like, well, this dinner would have been warm had you come home on time. And then, you know, I got the five o'clock shadow going on and there's <laughs> alcohol in my breath. And I'm like, well... Maybe if you put out a little more, I wouldn't have to go to the gentleman's club after work. <laughs> Where's my bacon? Uh, Josh, you're yelling again. Uh, this okay. is how I... Uh, anyway. Um, We're kind of like the odd couple more more than something like that. Wasn't one of them gay? I don't know if the other guy was gay, but he definitely did kind of act. Wasn't, like it. wasn't that the thing that everyone said for a while that Felix... Was it Felix? Yeah. Yeah, that he was gay. That's how funny it was having a gay character back in like the seventies. Like you couldn't say. But they... I don't think he actually was gay. Like he was just he was just really meticulous and OCD. Well, I'm yeah, I'm I'm very OCD, and I'm a uh, single guy at thirty, so I'm <laughs> sure people are. But I mean, like to finish my comment, so you can't make a sound bite of me saying that's a funny thing about having a gay character in the seventies. Well, I was going to say is like, it was such the times were so uh, like repressed or oppressive or whatever the fuck you want to call it back then that you couldn't just simply write a gay character in a script. You had to hint in every way possible that a character might or might not be gay. Now it's just like, Mm -hmm. you know, commonplace or whatever. Will and Grace. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I never actually, I never, I don't think I ever saw an episode of that show. I just remember that being like a controversial show growing up in my little Bible Belt Christian bubble, because <laughs> there was a gay character, or many gay characters. I don't know. Yeah, many gay characters. Yeah. Then I remember that show, Queer as Folk, on Showtime or HBO. I remember Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. Then the L word, that was a, les- a lesbian show on Showtime, and that was some hot stuff. I hate to be the typical guy that's turned on by lesbians, but the L word, that I, it was like a like soap opera type stuff, but there was like lesbian stuff going. What the fuck uh-huh. am I? I have yeah, brought what are you down talking about? this podcast 
from the 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 honorable and distinguished podcast that it was before and I'm just turning it into smutville right now. I apologize folks. I know the 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 listeners have come to expect expect a certain degree of dignity and and prestige and I'm just ruining all of that. I mean, we've never even cursed on here before and I'm pretty sure I've already said fuck three times since we've started recording this episode. Well, that's that's not fucking true. I mean, we you know, come on. Oh, well, <laughs> fuck it, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> None of the other shit I said was true too. This is totally in line with the stuff we normally talk about. <laughs> Who are we kidding? Um but yeah, there, we're a podcast about uh kind of kind of about the show and solve mysteries, although we talk about other things sometimes like mm-hmm. cults and murders that were not featured on Unsolved Mysteries like the West Memphis Three. All those are in our back catalog if you want to check any of that out. Um, you can find us on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries, but I'd rather you join our group on there. I'd rather you do that. It's way more interactive, way more of a community feeling. Um, we also have a Patreon if you want to kick us some, uh, some, some dough. If you want to flow us some currency as a science, that's a Scientology term. You want to hand us some clams, want to give us some clams and dead presidents. Flow it, flow us some capital. Or flow us some, uh, you know, that that move a, us, move some moolah. That's a term they use. Way. Um, <laughs> it's a Patreon.com/slash Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. We have a Twitter page. It's abysmal. We were at 99 followers, Mike, and I, I know I'm having to tell you now because I know you don't check our Twitter page ever. But we did have 99 tw- uh, Twitter followers. Actually, Mike, at one point we had 100 Twitter followers. Wow. Now we only have, I think, 98. So we're in double digits. <laughs> and that's just like a real kick to my ego, you know? Like, I uh... I felt like I had, I had won it all. I felt like I was king. A hundred people were looking at my tweets. And now only 98 people are. So if you want to... I don't care if one person looks at my tweets, so... Oh, that's perverted, Mike. You should at least have some kind of dignity and care about who looks at your tweets. Are we still talking about Twitter right now? I don't know why. <laughs> anyway, if you wanna if you wanna bump up our 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 analytics on Twitter, you can follow us at uh, you. Uh, this is the first time you've ever name dropped Twitter on this podcast. No, there, I did it at the beginning, but it then I stopped. It's at uncover <laughs> at uncovering um. Uncovering oh, yeah, UM. The uncovering um. Uncovering um. Oh, sweet. I just checked our Twitter right now. Scientology The Aftermath Season 3 is coming November 27th. Fucking A. It's awesome. The one with uh, Leia Remini? Yeah. And, and the billboard. I haven't watched it yet. Dude, you should if you care about Scientology as much as I do, which you, which you don't. But you, I, I think you have some sort of fascination with it on some level. The bitch, uh, Leah yeah. Remini, because I, I follow Leah on Twitter. <laughs> She posted a, a picture of the billboard, and uh, it's just got her on there, and it says "Return of the Cult Classic." <laughs> that's, that's genius. I love that. That's fucking hilarious. So yeah, right. that's something we got going on. So uh, yeah, let's get into some unsolved mysteries. Mike's taking the first case, and it's the case of Dale Hyde. Actually, I thought we were gonna do that last. Oh right, you're correct. <laughs> you know what's kind of this guy over here? You know what's kind of funny. Dale Dale Hyde looks like a forty year old version of you, and Robert yeah, Arcieri looks like a forty year old version of me. Kind of. <laughs> I was gonna kind of say that about Dale Hyde. He does remind me of like my my some of the older pictures I've seen of my dad. Yeah, it's kind of creepy, Mike. Why did you do yeah. that to those kids? I didn't. Oh, wasn't oh, even born shit. yet. That was very stern. Well, I mean, I was, but I was like one year old. I don't know how I could really do anything. Yeah, true. Okay, so this is the case of Robert Arcieri, who looks like a happy scoop of mashed potatoes in his uh, mugshot here, or whatever picture this is. Um, Robert Arcieri was a businessman in <laughs> Phoenix, Arizona, and he was well-liked and helpful to the members of his community. He became friends with Bill Reddick after Bill went to him to buy a camper shell. Bill and his wife Janet were close to Arcieri and his wife. The Reddicks often had the Arcieris at their home. Robert Arcieri became fascinated with the Reddicks' collection of rare Native American dolls 
Uh, there are um, Cochino, Cochino, yeah, I think Cochina, Cochina, that's Cochina dolls. There that were worth seventy five thousand dollars, which kind of blew my mind that they were worth that much money. I mean, they must have been from that time period of the name. Yeah, that's why they call them rare. Like if it was just like mass produced Native American dolls, it wouldn't be worth anything. You know, but I'm saying like they must the, these dolls must be, must have been from that time period from yeah. for them to be worth yeah. that much money. That's what I'm saying too. Well, you could have something that's rare that's new like you could have a Star Wars action figure that they printed two of and then their machine fucked up or something and they had to do a new run, so that would technically be rare and it wouldn't be old. Don't don't get in the ring with me, Mike. I'll I'll knock you down. I'll, I got my brain is functioning at like thirty five percent right now. It's normally at twenty five, so I'm a little higher functioning right now than I normally am. Bill also had a collection of rare antique guns, which he had hidden in a safe in his bedroom. On April third, nineteen eighty four, Bill went out of town on business, leaving Janet alone at home. Oh, yeah. I got a comment on that um, bedroom gun scene. So in the reenactment, um, Bill was like talking to Robert in the living room. And it's like your typical like 80s like living room looking kind of thing. Yeah. And they're having like even though this this uh, segment aired in 1995. Yeah, well, (laughs) it took place in in the 80s, in the 80s. So, um yeah, it's like, uh, I guess they're having like what most adults did back then, just having random get-togethers. Like, hey, <laughs> we're a married couple, you're a married couple, why don't you come over to the house and we'll have the world's most lamest time. Uh, <laughs> apparently that happened a lot in the 80s and 90s. I don't know, does that still happen? Like, married couples out there, do you just invite other married couples over? And And if you do, do you, like, put on some yacht rock and, like... Eat so- do you have like like Chex Mix and a big glass bowl on your dinner table? They're, they're eating hors d'oeuvres and stuff like that, but like the hors d'oeuvres are like the cheapest, like lamest stuff, like a Triscuit cracker with like some a cheese, vegetable platter. You know the a ones vegetable with the platter, baby carrots and broccoli. And, and in the background, you got Christopher Cross singing "Sailor." Dude, that wouldn't <laughs> be a bad night, in my opinion. And you know they're t- the the two the two guys are talking about their stocks and shit and I don't know what the women would be talking about but in 2018 I can't I can't actually say what the women would be talking about without making a a rash generalization that would be offensive um but from the movies I've watched when at these lame get together 80s adult parties the men do typically talk about stocks and other boring ass shit so anyway um so Bill at one point says to Robert, he's like, yeah, I have this like pretty fucking sweet gun. Do you want to see it? And Bill's like, or Robert's like, yeah, sure, I'll see it. So like Bill goes into his bedroom to unlock his gun out of the safe. And Robert, like the fucking creeper that he is, like follows behind him unbeknownst to Bill. And he's like opening his safe and Robert's like already in the in the bedroom with him, like standing over him as he's doing it. And... They're interviewing Bill, and he's just like, ah, I thought that was weird. I mean, I was going to bring the gun out into the living room, you know, but he just, like, followed me into the bedroom or whatever. It's like, mm, personal space much? So he <laughs> shows him the gun, and he said that uh, Robert was just, like, real nonchalant about it. He's like, oh, yeah, well, that's kind of cool. You know, whatever. Yeah, I, I don't know how uh, Bill could have not figured out that he was following him because the guy was built like an elephant so i mean this guy was huge yeah he's pretty fat i I don't think he'd be that quiet walking around the house so i mean he'd have that like stereotypical like tuba music going on right (laughs) (laughs) the fat person walking sequence different 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 (laughs) (laughs) he would have heard that surely Oh, Jesus. I hear the one-star reviews being typed up right now. I wanted to like this podcast. I really did until... Anyway. Until Josh explained the joke and, you know, didn't stick to his guns and was all being politically correct, then I didn't like the podcast. You know what? That that might actually be what people say nowadays. They might be like, we like it when he's offensive. 
I don't know. <laughs> At this point, you would hope. So anyway, um, so essentially what was going on here was this Robert Arcieri guy, this tub of fuck, was casing their house, essentially, and earning their trust. Mm-hmm. Because on April 3rd, 1984... Bill went out of town on business, leaving Janet alone at home. At around 8 p.m., Janet returned home from work when she discovered that the house had been ransacked and the valuable dolls were just laid out on the sofa and the table. When Janet tried to leave her home, she was confronted by one man in a ski mask. Another man came from behind and struck her in the head. Now, this particular reenactment was solid until they decided to make it slow-mo. I don't know why it was in slow-mo. You didn't like the slow-mo? I didn't like the use of the slow-mo in this particular oh, I reenactment. Gonna, I really liked I that. It, I thought it kind of made it a little bit too over the top. Like, especially when they're focusing in on this actress's reactions, and it wasn't really that genuine to me. It was a little bit overacting there. And I don't know. I just felt it was like a little silly with the slow-mo. And then like the random fade to black. I mean, like if you're going to have a fade to black, that's fine. But like, I, I just don't feel the slow-mo was necessary. In that particular, I liked the uh, slow mo because it encapsulated the shock and the the surprise. Uh, it it's slow. It's well, for me, I if that was with that particular scenario, I don't feel that things would be going in slow motion. Things would just be going so fast that I just I couldn't even comprehend it. I'd just be like, "Oh my god, what the fuck?" There's this guy here, and then then you're out. Then you're knocked out. I think like that, I think the, the only other way to that... shoot that scene without the slow motion to make it uh, as kind of shocking would be if you would put the woman in first person view, so all you're seeing is what she's seeing, and then she turns around, and then out of nowhere, this guy just comes out of the corner yeah. and strikes you, and yeah. then it fades to black. Yeah, like I th- well, there's that too. They could have shot or, it like or, that. Yeah, I, I think that would have been more effective. But I, as I actually, it is, it's fine. I don't, I don't hate it. I, I just. I don't know. I just wasn't a big fan of the of the use of slow mo in that particular uh, part of the of the segment. They tried Unsolved Mysteries, the show. They tried uh, different techniques a lot, uh, filming techniques, and just very. I mean, there's other instances where the slow mo really worked really well, like when uh, one of the serial killer segments where the guy's chasing her in the woods or whatever, and and then there's other ones like the I think the girl got shot in the face or something, and she's running away in the woods and the guy shoots her like that that was a good use of slow-mo but also the camera was kind of shaking around too so that it added even more of that uh surreal aspect to the whole uh scenario but with this it was just kind of just random slow-mo and you know I, i get it they're trying to do something artistic but it just didn't quite work for me well i'm gonna be the gene siskel to your roger debert right now and disagree with you (laughs) So she remained in a coma for several days before awakening in the hospital. The thieves stole the dolls, Bill's guns, and Janet's jewelry, all of which had a value of $200,000. Janet had been struck five times in the head with a ball-peen hammer. God damn. Uh, She had to undergo extensive surgeries to survive. While Janet was recuperating, Arcieri came to visit the Reddicks. Ugh, what a slimeball. At the time, scumbag. They, they assumed that he was a concerned friend. Two years later, however, an admitted contract killer went to the police. He claimed that Arcieri had masterminded a series of robberies. The targets of these robberies were Arcieri's own friends and business associates. Phoenix police sought to confirm the informant's stories. He agreed to tape record his conversations with Arcieri. In exchange, Arcieri... Arcieri canceled a hit that he had originally hired the informant to carry out. The informant gave authorities several items that he claimed were stolen by Arcieri's henchmen. Janet identified some of the items as the ones stolen from her home. Arcieri was arrested and charged with seven felony accounts, including heading an organized crime syndicate. (laughs) That's that's a pretty big one right there. Mm -hmm. Racketeering and conspiracy to commit murder. However, in November 1986, those charges were dropped while police continued their investigation. Authorities hoped to build a stronger case against Arcieri. And this is where this story takes uh, an even bigger twist. Um, In January of 1987, Arcieri set off on a fishing trip with his nephew and two friends. 
They went to a spot on the Colorado River called Lee's Ferry. Arcieri told his friend Ray Brown that he had been exonerated and that he wanted to go fishing to celebrate. According to Brown, on the first day of the trip, Arcieri complained of chest problems. Oh, that's convenient. At the dock, Arcieri needed his nephew's help to exit the boat. The other friend claimed that he went to the bathroom. When he exited the bathroom, he heard a loud splash. The friend went to the dock, and Arcieri's nephew claimed that Arcieri had fallen in. Brown drove his truck up to the river to shine his headlights into the water, but they could not see Arcieri. In the area of the river where Arcieri vanished, the river almost broadens out into a lake. Rescuers believe that Arcieri may have floated downstream to a series of rapids. However, this motherfucker did not float. If you saw, if you saw him, he, he was not going to be floating. Uh, however, an intense four-day search turned up no sign of Arcieri. Arcieri's family and friends are convinced that he had a heart attack and drowned in the Colorado River. His family has even received $1 million in insurance payouts. However, the authorities are not convinced. They believe that he faked his death to avoid charges against him. And the results of this episode were he was captured. Turns out he didn't die after all. Go figure. Uh, acting on a tip, authorities discovered Robert Arcieri alive and well in Palm Springs, California. He was arrested on June 2nd, 2011. That's pretty fucking recent. Yep. Compare, you know, uh, by this show's time, mm -hmm. Arcieri had changed his name to Frank Reynolds. Yeah, he looks more like a Frank. And Isn't that the name of the of Danny DeVito's character from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? I know his name is, is his Frank. Name Frank. I don't know if it's yeah. Reynolds. And uh, so he changed his name to Frank Reynolds and originally moved to Spokane, Washington. Oh, so finally there's somebody, you know, <laughs> some scumbag who moved over here. Yeah, and you're a little utopian neck of the woods. <laughs> it's not Florida for once. Yeah. I know. I was going to say, I'm surprised this guy didn't move to fucking Florida. You know, we, we got plenty of fucking room. Pl plenty of shitty old hot shacks in, in, in the outskirts of swamps that he can hide in. So he had been in contact with his wife and children during this time on the run. It is believed that they used the insurance payouts to help him stay hidden. In February 2012, Arcieri pleaded guilty to three counts of conspiracy to commit burglary, two counts of solicitation to commit first-degree murder, one count of armed robbery, one count of fraud. In March 2012, he was sentenced to 10 years in prison and five years probation. So. Well, that's a slap on the wrist, and that's yeah. just, you know, it's nothing. Yeah, kind of. I mean. Is it just me, or does he look like he's related to, like, Mike Ditka or something, <laughs> yeah. or Dick Butkus? <laughs> he does. He looks like, uh, he looks like a, uh, a retired football coach, for sure. <laughs> or a current football coach. <laughs> Because it's not like you have to be in good shape to be a fucking football coach, apparently. Jesus Christ. You look at American football coaches, and they are some of the fattest. Like, Except for Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett's skinny and good shape. See, that's what I want to see in a football coach. I, like, I want to see someone who like actually looks like they uh, can do the shit that they are telling you to do at one point in their life. Like, you know... Let's do like 40 gassers and, you know, run up and down the football field 12 times each. It's like, well, let's see your fat ass do it. It's, <laughs> well, when I was younger, I could. And my fucking metabolism slowed down, but my appetite didn't. And, you know, 90 buffalo wings later and fucking 500 Bud Lights later, here I am, this fat fuck. So basically you're talking about Andy Reid, who, who is the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs and looks like the Kool-Aid man. Yeah. I don't know who any of these people are. I'm going to Google them now. <laughs> oh, wow. He does look like the Kool-Aid man. He's wearing all red. Holy shit. Yep. He does. That's hilarious. Yeah, man. Like, that's the thing about playing football. Like, these football players, they, like, eat, like, fucking Vikings because they have to because they're, you know, doing very physically exhaustive well not all of them have to like certain uh position groups eat like that other ones don't yeah but either way most football players eat way more than an average person does and 
when they stop playing football and they stop doing those that intense physical activity, their metabolism slows down with age and all that, but they're still their appetite, they're still eating like they are doing all that physical activity and that's how that's why most football players you see are you know, when they get older, they're all fat and bald and, you know, that's that's not necessarily the case. There's a lot of a lot of older retired football players I'm, I'm who are less, still in I'm, decent shape. I'm more or less talking about like high school level. I'm not talking about professional. Oh, OK. Yeah. All right. I'm talking about like I, I'm, I'm specifically right. talking about all the so you're talking about like Al, the Al Bundy's of the world who, you know, get older and talk about the glory days and they scored four touchdowns in one game. Yeah. Like with their high school team. I'm, I'm basically lash like basically fat loser. Josh <laughs> of of yesteryear is lashing out at all the popular <laughs> football players in my high school right now. That, that's a, yeah. if I'm boiling it down, that's essentially what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm making more okay. generalized statements to heal the butthurt inner child that I still have inside he's, of me. He's just, just sh- continuing to just fire shots into his into his foot. Just bam, bam, bam. Oh, you, think, you, you really think we got a lot of football players that listen to the former football players that listen to this podcast? No, no, I'm just saying. You, you think know, it's football just players want to hear what, yeah, what it, two <laughs> powder puffs like you and I have to say about the world? <laughs> <laughs> two fancy Nancys that we are? I actually watch football. You don't watch football, so yeah. So that's right. You do watch they, football. Maybe they they might care what I have to say because I actually do watch the sport. Mike, but anyway, Mike, um, would would you ever be able to sit in a bar and in like? Would you do you see yourself as the kind of person that would sit in a sports bar and like shit talk amongst the other football fans? I don't shit talk. I'm not. I'm not that. I'm not a fan of that. If someone shit talks to me. And uh, their team doesn't back it up, then yeah, I, I'd, I'd say a few words because they started it, and you know, it, it's one of those things. Like if you're gonna talk the talk, you better be able to uh, take the heat or get out of the kitchen. Now, um, speaking of heat, and speaking of people who I want to light on fire and make them feel all the heat in the world, uh, that ties into the next. And last case we're going to be discussing, the case of Dale Hyde. Dale? Who is definitely living up to the Hyde in his last name. Uh, Dr. Jekyll took that potion and it revealed the darkest side of humanity. Well, this guy is absolutely representation. He absolutely does represent... One of the darkest sides of humanity. Mike, I just want I want to commend the fact about how throughout the podcast over the years, you you've you've developed this this niche of taking words and, and morphing them uh, into segues of about whatever you're talking about in, in the most unique and dad jokiest kind of way, and I, I really do appreciate that. <laughs> As you as you twist the knife into me with the dad joke thing, but okay, this, right, dude, thanks. it's not a bad thing. That's what people like you for. It's endearing. So anyway, this is the case of Dale Edward Hyde. Who just look at this mugshot. He looks deranged. He does not look happy. Mike, he, at he, all. he looks kind of like you. I mean, I'm just saying. I really don't think he looks that much like me. Uh, he looks more like my uncle Dave or something. We're, we're gonna post this picture really on the group like and we'll we'll let the <laughs> we'll let the audience. His hairstyle is different. His his beard is completely a different color. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's one thing. His beard's a, a different color, but I mean, and his facial features are different. I'm not saying you're a child beater, Mike. I'm just saying <laughs> you you. Happened I mean, to, there's there's a there's a similar there's a little bit of similarities, but it, I don't really see us being that alike. I mean, for, I look more like the actor, um, what's his name? Uh, fuck, he was in uh, he was in Christine, and and I really that one, I definitely I think it's uh, his last name is Gordon, so um, oh, I'm I'm looking it up too, buddy. Yeah. Um, Gordon Christie? Keith Gordon. Keith Gordon. Keith Gordon. Let's see here. Let's see. Let's see who <laughs> Mike Christine. looks like. Uh, no. This guy's more 
You don't see that? This guy's more like got some like Arabic or something going on. Oh, okay. When he was younger, yeah, I could yeah, see that. Yeah, when he's younger, from Christine. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, okay, yeah, I could see that. Well, gee, Mike, you don't have a lot to look forward to getting older if you're going to look like this guy later on in life. No, no. Well, I already know that. Oh, so. Mike, come on! I was just joking. You're 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 going to blossom <laughs> into a beautiful swan. <laughs> anyway, let's actually talk to talk about this case. <laughs> So and, and and I understand why we're kind of delay, we're kind of delaying it, folks, because this is pretty heavy. This is some pretty heavy, brutal shit. So, in 1985, 25-year-old Dale Hyde moved to Corpus Christi, Texas, and met a woman named Dolores and had who had three sons. A few weeks later, Dale moved in with Dolores and her boys, aged six, nine, and eleven. Now it says 25 here, but I swore I heard 29. On, on the segment, which I think is one of the forbidden segments, because I don't think it's on season two. It's supposed to be on season two, but I don't think it is, so it's only available on those... God uh, bless Chris Rogers. That's all I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's only available on some of those VHS rips that are floating around on the internet. So anyway, uh, a few weeks later, Dale moved in with Dolores and her boys, aged six, nine, and eleven. Dale had recently received money from an insurance settlement, so he was able to spend much much of his time at home taking care of the children. He was very kind and caring to Dolores and her children. And I gotta give the guy who's playing Dale in the reenactment a lot of props. Like, he does a great job playing this type of character who's... Uh, seems like he's the perfect catch. Yeah, agreed. You know, he does the laundry. You know, he, he seems to like being around the kids. So four months later, on the evening of February 13th, 1986, Dolores and Dale spent time together watching television. At around midnight, she went to bed because she had to work early the next day. At that same time, Dale went to check on the boys. A few minutes later, Dolores heard her six-year-old son John cry in pain. She discovered that he was bleeding out of his right ear. Dale could not explain what happened, claiming that the boys started screaming after he tucked him in, which automatically is suspicious. Yeah, like, right? Like, what the fuck, dude? Come on. You know? Like, that. that is just the lamest... I don't know! He just started bleeding after I went and tucked him in. It's like, dude, <laughs> come on. You know? Like, what the fuck other possibility is there in that situation if you, you know, besides you having something to and do with that? Unless it's like a really bad ear infection, but I think the kid would have known about that. That's like, that's like the explosive diarrhea of ear infections. Just out of yeah. nowhere, just blood starts <laughs> shooting out of your ear. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> That's the kind of one you'd be worried if you had one of those like uh, creepy crawlies from uh, Star Trek Two. Remember those things that they put in their ears in order to, a con would put in their ears to my to control their minds. Then you'd be like, oh, okay, all right. Yeah, never seen it. You've never seen Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan. The Wrath of Khan. No, I've, I've not seen it. I've heard it's like really good, but I haven't seen it. Wow. Does this come as a surprise to you at this point, Mike? Con. Yeah, I know that line, but I'd never actually seen the movie. But anyway, uh, to tie into this, I mean, this is definitely one of those things where you're like, hide! <laughs> <laughs> Douche! <laughs> so, uh, Dale could not explain what happened. Although Dolores wanted to take him to the, to the hospital, Dale told her that he, she shouldn't. He said that it was probably just an ear infection. That's also suspicious because if it's an ear infection that's bad enough that his ear is bleeding... I would think that you would want to take the kid to the hospital. Yeah, right. So she decided to take him to a naval hospital because John's biological father was in the army. By the time they arrived, John's face and neck began to swell. And Jeez. the doctor believed that the child had been severely choked. Ugh. He found three linear marks on his neck and a print that matched that of an adult hand. John claimed that his friend bit him, but it was not possible because his friend was not there. He later said that Dale was the one who attacked him. And the segment actually shows, like, some of the photos. They they block out the kid's eyes, but then there's, like, a later scene where they zoom in on his eyes. So it's like you blocked out his eyes in these couple shots, but then you show his eyes in another shot. 
What? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it, it wouldn't be very difficult for someone to, like, you know, piece those. But, I mean, I guess they're assuming that, you know, people will never have this kind of technology on their cell phones to easily edit <laughs> together these two images. So this is like, yeah. you know, we're, we're covered. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, those are some pretty uh, fucked up injuries that that kid sustained. That's for sure. Uh, and... It, if you look at it, the kid's lucky to to have survived, really, considering if you look at some of those uh, marks on him and, and all the, you know, how, how hard he was choked. I don't think he was trying to kill the kid. I think he just got off. And I don't even know if, if it was sexually. I think he just got off to, like, just hurting the I think kid. That's, I think that's the possibility, too. Dale Hyde is without a doubt mentally ill. Oh, yeah. 100%. Mm -hmm. So, there, prob there might be more to it, but we don't necessarily know all of everything about, you know, his tendencies or all of that other stuff, but it definitely does seem like he does get uh, satisfaction or does like to hurt kids. So, Dolores took her children away from Dale and he was questioned by authorities. Dale, however, said he was innocent and no char charges were filed against him. Of course. I mean, he's not going to be honest about it and be like, yeah, I did it. I like choking kids. You have a problem with that? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> is that going to be is that going to be an issue for us? Because, I mean, that's kind of what I'm into. So... If I that, mean, that's why I dated you. You had kids. Dude, you have some awesome kids with very chokeable necks. I mean, look at them. Like, fuck. You know, how you're going to ask me not to choke that kid? Like, fuck out of here. <laughs> so anyway, the next day, Dolores and her brother-in-law went back to the apartment to pick up clothes for her and her children. And she went into the bedroom to confront Dale. And she found him sitting on, sitting on the floor with the phone. And he was rocking back and forth and he was bear hugging a pillow and he's talking to somebody on the phone. Don't know who it is. And she, the, the actor, once again, who plays Dale here is phenomenal. Yeah. She asked him if she, he abused her son and he said that he did. He's like, did you did you do it? Yes, I did. I did it. And then she's like, get out of here. I need I, I, I need help. I need help. And then she was care, just like, I don't Dale. care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't care either. Uh, yeah, I, I would not give a fuck. Dude, I, yeah, I don't care if you need help. You know, fucking, that does not concern me at this point. My child concerns for me. me. For, yeah, yeah, the child does concern me too, but I'm also concerned about other kids with this guy, so I would have definitely tried to have gotten him admitted to an institution or a mental hospital at that moment. I don't know, man. Because clearly... He is not of his right mind. He's asking for help. Get him the help so then he's not on the street. I think if I had so he a, doesn't I think, get away. I think if I had a so kid, he doesn't get away and continue to do this shit. Right, but but see, you're thinking logically instead of emotionally. Uh, I'm thinking that this this lady with the kid, she in that in that moment, she's thinking pure emotion. She, well, yeah, I understand, I understand that, but uh, even in instances like that, like with pure emotion, I, I've been able to think on the spot and and do these kind of things. But I mean, that's that's just me. It's everyone's different. Some people can handle their emotions and and not let them completely take over in, in situations like this. I mean, there was a, that one instance where where uh, with my step with my stepdad, like I could have easily just like shut down and not did anything you know like i could have easily just uh let the emotions take over me and be a wreck and not try to call uh the police and i call 911 but i did so um sergeant richard white was in charge of the uh so she asked him to leave and then he left okay he left the apartment and then sergeant richard white was in charge of the investigation he looked into dale's background and discovered that in 1979 he was arrested for the death of his 14-month-old biological son, Scott, the child had died from a blow to the head. He was initially charged with first-degree degree murder. However, by the time that case went to trial, the charge was reduced to involuntary manslaughter. 
He was convicted on that charge and served just three years in a Texas prison. Three years for a guy who killed his son with a blow to the head. I must have had a hell of a lawyer. Sergeant White believes that Dale targets single mothers in order to have access with their children. After he disappeared, White feared that he would strike again. And sadly, his fears were confirmed several months later in November of 1986. Dale was arrested for abusing another woman's son in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Albuquerque. <laughs> oh, God. In Albuquerque. Albuquerque. <laughs> nice way to... There's nice this guy to... named Dale <laughs> who likes hitting kids. <laughs> no. Nice way to lighten it up there, Mike. <laughs> that's just that's just the uh, the uh, that's a lyric from the song that ended up on the cutting room floor. Like, yeah, that's not gonna work. It's not funny. So anyway, the abuse left the eight-month-old boy mentally and physically impaired. Oh my god, I, that's awful. I I just I just wanted I wanted to, when I, when I first saw this segment, I wanted to reach through this screen and just. Beat the shit out of this guy. Okay, so you did. So you did react emotionally at first. At first. Okay. So I just want but to like, establish I, that I react emotionally at first when I found out that like he was continuing to do this shit and like he was saying I need help and then didn't do anything to get it. That kind of thing, where it was like this continuing thing, where like with the whole thing with killing the kid, it would could have been like, well, maybe it was an accident. I don't know everything about that. The, the strangling the kid, I don't, you know, that's really fucked up. And and in that instance, yeah, I would I would have reacted emotionally, but at the same time, I would have been like, yeah, get out of here. But if you really do need help, let me know. We'll get something set up. But for the time being, get the fuck out of my house. I don't know, man. You're a better person than I am. So... The abuse left the eight-month-old boy mentally and physically impaired, and it was believed that the injuries were caused by severe shaking. Dale was extradited back to Corpus Christi and was subject to several psychiatric tests. It was determined he had increasingly aggressive behavior and rapid mood swings. The doctor believed that these were deeply ingrained behavioral patterns that are resistant to therapy or change, which makes you, which leads you to believe that he should just be locked up. This man should just be in an institution. The doctor concluded that he would function best in a 24-hour controlled environment. Exactly. That's crazy that they actually said uh, his condition is resistant to... That happens. You know, there therapy. There are instances like that. Yeah. And, and you know, Pi would only get worse as he got older and shit. Like, I, I, I thought... I thought no matter what, you know psychological problem you no. might have you know that there's a no. way to work it out you know there no there's certain ones that it's like so severe that they really should be locked up for the rest of their life in a padded cell really i feel like i'm heading there because they're because they're a harm to themselves and they're a harm to everybody else i don't know what specifically i'm gonna i'm gonna end up there for but I feel like uh, I feel like I'll, I don't. Th I don't. I don't think you will. Well, that does I make don't. me feel a little better. I really don't think you will. Just keep keep taking your anxiety meds and stuff like that, and I think you'll be fine. Okay, Mike. I'll do it. I'll do it for you. <laughs> <sighs> now that sounded crazy. So sorry. Sorry. That's the stuff I'm supposed to hold back. That's right. That's right. That's the stuff I'm supposed to hold back. Don't do that, that if you want to seem sexual. normal. Like, what the hell was that? That sounded sexual. Like, I don't, weird. Very weird, Josh. It might have been. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, three days before the trial, Dale Hyde posted bail and vanished. Now, one other thing I want to mention about this particular segment is that it has one of those rare side profile uh, shadow uh things you know silhouette silhouettes like it's it's the side silhouette for for the girl for the for the uh woman that was that was interviewed and talking about what dale did to her kid okay dolores because it's not really her real name it was a fake name that they came up with 
Because usually, in a lot of these segments, they'd be sitting and looking straight at the camera, and then they, it would have the shadows and the silhouettes and everything. But with her, it's from a si- from the side. Yeah, they employed that uh, technique sometimes. What of it? I just thought it was interesting because they don't do it that often. That's what I'm saying. Like sometimes they do that, but most of the time it's from it's from it's from a uh, straight on perspective. Okay, so Mike is observing the various um, positions of silhouette interviewing techniques on Unsolved Mysteries. <laughs> I think we've reached the bottom of the barrel, folks. No, we haven't. I Come think, on, like, I that's, think that's, that's an a, aspect of the show. This is officially. The sea floor of things to talk about regarding Unsolved Mysteries. How's it feel, folks? Do you feel the pressure of being so deep underwater of, you know, of, of Unsolved Mysteries trivia and knowledge that it's crushing you? I don't think it was that that dumb or that... That just shows you how they use different techniques for the segments. I'm just fucking with you, Mike. They were unique. So anyway, um, he was actually captured because after the initial broadcast, viewers' tips led investigators to Jackson County, Tennessee, where Hyde was living under the assumed name of Michael Kenneth Lane. Oh, Michael. Okay. So the plot thickens. This guy who kind of looks like you is also assuming the name (laughs) of Michael. He doesn't really look that much like me. We'll let the people decide. However, he left town before he could be located. However, thanks to viewers' tips from a rebroadcast, Hyde was arrested in Reno, Nevada on July 19th, 1991. He had been living there under the name Alan Stacy. And they the the footage they show of him being arrested, like he has like the worst like stringy mullet you you will ever see. It just looks greasy and ugh. Yeah, I mean, at least people back in, like, the 80s and 90s had the courtesy to, like, grow out a disgusting stringy mullet if they were going to be a child predator, you know? So we would all know, like, oh, that's probably a child predator. Nowadays, it's like you, you just you just don't know. You know, back in the day, you'd buy a van, you'd get the crazy thick-ass, you know, big glasses that took up most of your face. You'd have the stringy hair, the male pattern baldness, you know, the the, the sweat stains on the shirt, you know? There was courtesy, you know. Now it's like, who the fuck knows? It's all it could be. I, I, I'd argue that 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 wasn't always the case even back then because, I mean, the stringy mullet thing that was just a popular thing in the ninety in the early nineties, like period. I mean, like the Billy Ray Cyrus or whatever, you know, was huge. So, um, and he lived in Tennessee, so. God, that would be that would uh-huh. be perfect if if this guy's favorite artist was Billy Ray Cyrus. That would like fit right in with his like mo of of just being a piece of shit. Yeah, I love Billy Ray. I, I even have that Billy Ray Cyrus comic book signed by Billy Ray Cyrus. I used, and, I used to uh, slap kids to the beat of the song "Achy Breaky Heart." <laughs> oh my God. I know. <laughs> You oh. sick bastard. <laughs> Whatever, man. You know, I looked at last podcast on the left's Patreon the other day, and they're talking about uh-huh. Satan's little helper and this, that, and the other, and 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 all these tiers of uh, donation, and it yeah. all has to do with demonic shit and all that. And I'm like, uh-huh. I can make a fucked up joke every now and then. If, if that, that <laughs> podcast, which is one of the biggest true crime ones out there, if they can be all like, we worship Satan and all this. I can make a fucked up joke every now yeah. and then. Damn yeah. it. So he was convicted of child abuse in John's case, and he was sentenced to 12 years in prison. In October of 2001, after a sentence was completed, he was transferred to New Mexico to face child abuse charges there. He pleaded guilty to those charges and was sentenced to two years in prison. He was released in July of 2003, but will remain on parole until 2022. Sadly, as a result of the injuries inflicted by Hyde, his victim in the New Mexico case has the mental capacity of a two-year-old. Yikes. Guy's a fucking scumbag, douchebag, piece of shit, all rolled up, rolled, rolled up into one. Like, these are the type of people, like, I get so worked up about them that, like, I have a hard time 
even like putting things into words and I start like flubbing things because I'm just you get so emotionally riled up. So I understand why people would not be able to think in that scenario where the guy's like, I need help. or like, I don't give a shit. Fuck you. Take, you know, take your pillow and suffocate yourself with it. You know, do everyone a favor and just fucking die. Yeah, I, I could see what some people might think those kind of things in that type of scenario. This guy, or at least want to just this beat guy the must shit have had him. like the most likable personality ever to not only like, you know, woo his way into the hearts of all these women, yeah. but to but to also charm the fucking parole board after he was featured on Unsolved Mysteries, after a psychologist said that this guy will always be this way and it will only get worse and he should stay spend his life locked up, yet he still managed to get paroled. And he's on parole until 2022. Oh, that's, you know, you check in with your PO officer. That's kind of redundant because parole officer officer but whatever you check in with your po you i think you have to get, do a drug test I, I think that's just across the board if you're on parole you have to that you can't like do drugs or drink i think the entire time but i mean alcohol uh -huh. hell you can you can still drink alcohol pretty much because that only stays in your system for pretty much the length of time i don't get why they allow that either why they allow what alcohol well they you're, you're not supposed to do it but how are they going to, you know, unless you walk into the parole office drunk, I mean, the alcohol is eliminated through your urine. It's not like weed or pills or cocaine where traces of it stay in your blood or your urine um, mm -hmm. that cut, turn out a drug test. You, you really can't test someone for alcohol like 24 hours after they've drank. Um, there is like, because I looked into this when I was on parole. Uh, there is like certain um, machines that some parole offices have that test the uritic acid in your piss and it because it creates uh, alcohol when it breaks down it creates a specific kind of sugar that is found in your urine that is specific to alcohol but that can also uh -huh. that can also be from like using mouthwash or it can come from a few other ways so even that's not like foolproof. Um, but I mean, my point that I'm trying to make is that being on parole isn't that big of a fucking deal. You can pretty much live a normal life on parole. I mean, unless you fuck up. If you, if you make any kind of screw up, then you go back to jail. Um, so you, you have to be very responsible about it, you know, your parole shit. But, uh, yeah, I just, I can't believe he was released in 2003. That's crazy. I mean, he made a kid, like, fucked up, like, basically, I like, I mean, you didn't kill him, but, I mean, you, you, might, you know, might as well have. I mean, he has a mental capacity of a two-year-old. I mean, what kind of life is that, you know? I mean, fuck. Mm -hmm. That sucks. It's crazy. He should be locked up. Well, that was a downer. Uh... Downer way to end the podcast. I now have a headache for some reason. I'm fucking starving. I gotta go post carry well you have a headache probably because of just guys out there he's you know who knows what else he might be doing or is capable of my ass and is <laughs> profusely yeah from sitting on it mm -hmm. has it ever happened to you no really i think you I'm, might want to get that checked out i think all my sweat glands are from my waist down I, and I, I'm not even joking. Like, I never sweat from the waist up. Really, like, not no sweaty armpits, like no sweaty face. I like. I get the back if it gets really hot. Yeah, the back. Yes. Uh. Yeah. That argue. Or uh, uh, admittedly, that does happen. But my I remember when that first happened. Like, I was at, I was at a choir concert, and all of a sudden, like, I just it just started feeling this random cold like watery shit on my back and like it actually did surprise me because i don't ever remember sweating like that but then again i don't remember ever wearing clothes like the dress clothes i was wearing for this concert and then sweating so it's just one of those like what the fuck moments <laughs> it was just like what is that it's cold yeah wet 
Yeah, the ass sweat is very real with me. If you would like to hear me talk more about ass sweat, <laughs> your ass sweat. Text ass sweat to star <laughs> five two nine, and we can talk about this more in the next podcast. But until next text, time, uh, ass. Yeah, text ass. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I think that's all the time we got for the podcast this week. Mikey boy's got to go and, uh, earn him an honest dollar. Yeah. Uh, definitely sounds like a podcast that, uh, that Beavis and Butthead would definitely, you know, be cracking jokes at today. I mean, and one would only, one, one could only <laughs> fantasize about the glory of that being brought back, but I, I think they already tried it the one time and it's not going to happen yeah. again. Um, well, yeah, I know, but, uh, Mike Judge is still Did you hear that they actually did call, like, there's a, a Adam Sandler movie in Netflix called Sandy Wexler, and in the end credits, Mike Judge actually reenacts, like, something that actually happened, where this guy was so clueless, he thought Beavis and Butthead were real, so he, like, went in and called him, and prank called him as Beavis and Butthead. Oh my god, that's awesome. And, and in the end credits of the movie... Uh, they actually show a little reenactment of that. Adam Sandler characters, Sandler's character picks up the phone, and Mike Judge is doing both voices and fucking with them. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta look that up. And uh, I know someone was specifically asking for a uh, a uh, some thoughts uh, from David Miscavige. Oh God. <laughs> I have to like think of shit he would say because he he sp- <laughs> the the words and ver- like the phrases he uses are like way di- different than a normal human being's uh-huh. like when he talks. Yeah. Um. Oh no, I can't do anything on the spot. I'll have to like think. Of, I'll have to like plan out a little thing that he says. I can begin the next podcast with that. All right. But anyway, uh, that's the end of the podcast. If you want to check out more from me and Mike, you can add us or you can subscribe to us on YouTube. Mike's YouTube channel is youtube.com slash OCP communications. He mainly talks about movies. You know what question I'm going to ask, Mike. What was the last movie you reviewed, you wanker? Well, the last movie I reviewed was uh, Mandy, but the last video I just posted recently was a rant on quality control, which has gotten progressively worse with Blu-ray companies lately, and I'm really worried about the future of quality control and with the manufacturing because the last remaining manufacturing plant that made uh, Blu-ray discs and other other forms like that in the U.S. shut down recently. So now these companies are in a mad scramble to try to figure out uh, where to take the product next, and companies like Shout Factory have now outsourced to Mexico. And someone actually commented on my video who has a relative who actually is an engineer at one of the uh, at a couple of these plants and he gets paid a good amount of money. But there's a lot of people who get paid two fifty two dollars and fifty cents an hour because they don't have a degree. And that leads to really shoddy uh, quality, uh, really shitty manufacturing quality. Because of the fact that they're only getting paid two dollars and fifty cents an hour, so why the fuck they, should they really care? Now, is, so is, that, is, is that a direct result of the low, like less sales of Blu-rays just overall? No, I I think it's just one of those things where it's just where they just don't give a shit anymore. Like maybe these companies, uh, major studios are like, well, yeah, it might not cost that much to open a plan of our own, but we really don't care. Like that's not a priority for them. Home, home video is not a priority for them right now. Well, they don't care because it's not bringing in income. If it brought in a lot of... It actually does, it actually does bring yeah, in income. Yeah, but if it was bringing but in like for them, it doesn't income, bring in, then they would It care. doesn't bring in as much as they would like, so they think it's useless, which I don't personally understand that. Oh, well, yeah, that's your typical business. some income business. is better than none. Yeah, that's, that's your typical business model where it's not bringing in $100 million, it's only bringing in $20 million, therefore it's a failure. That's business for, you know, that's the mind of a bit. That's like fucking when they killed... That's so stupid, That's like when though. they killed off rock radio, because, you know, well, yeah, you know, this, that we, rock radio gets 30 million listeners, but the top 40 pop radio gets 350 million listeners, so fuck rock radio, bye. You know, and now all these like big like rock markets in the U.S. don't even have a fucking rock radio station because they because 
The music industry is not run by music listeners anymore. Music fans. We have the brew over here, which has a bunch of, you know, has rock music and like uh, 80s songs and stuff. But no, the brew usually has a lot of rock songs. Yeah, I don't know. Just, it. it's, I, I could go on an old man rant about all this shit if I want to, <laughs> but I don't want to drag the podcast out longer than No, but yeah, the whole thing with quality control is an issue because you're getting discs that come scratched because it's now in Mexico and these discs are scratched and they work in some players, but for other people, they don't. Um, and this is also going to cause issues with the prices going up because then the studios or the companies are like, well, we got to pay for this shit to be outsourced to Mexico. And then we got to pay for it to be shipped back to us. And it's causing delays with upcoming releases because now they don't, they, they have to find a new plant to get them, uh, pressed at. And it's one of those things that's like, why didn't you have them pressed ahead of time? I don't understand this last minute thing where you're just pressing discs now in the month of the release. Like, what the hell is that about anyway? But with quality control, you got dicks, discs, dicks, dicks. Might as well be dicks <laughs> because that's what you get. You get dicks. You get a bunch of dicks because you get discs that have errors. Like there's audio that's fucked up and the 5.1 digital audios track sounds like it was recorded underwater in a cave that has echoes all over the place you have uh, other ones where it's defective in other ways there's little snippets of footage missing you get replacements for replacements so is this like because is this like a replacement blu-ray disc, is this a blu-ray wide thing or is it just only certain companies it, it, no it, it's it's only certain companies but it's 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 also industry wide in other industries uh, a friend of mine he works in the software industry and he's real he's seeing this all the time we're quality control is not even that big of a deal. They're like, who cares about quality control? Like, this is really bad. What? Because they, they it's think like it's too much money. You know, it's not worth it. But if you ask me, it's 100% worth it. Because otherwise you're screwing over your, your consumer. You're asking them to pay a certain amount of money. And in some cases, a lot of money for a product that doesn't work properly. And then you send them a replacement and it doesn't work properly. Like with the Changeling, Severin sent out a replacement disc that had worse picture quality than the initial release. I don't even know how that's even possible, but it happened. <laughs> so that that's this is just it's absurd, and and these companies really need to take it more seriously than just like, well, we'll just send out a replacement. That's well, like the video game industry now. You buy a fucking video game, you pop it into your PlayStation 4, your Xbox One, and there's a day one patch that they have to install yeah, right that away. that too. Exactly. Because, yep. you know, fuck having the game done right the first, you know, first time. We got we got to get it into the gold phase or whatever where it's approved and it can be shipped out and anything else, you know, we'll fix that later in a patch. You know, it's it's like... I don't know, man. If these companies keep doing this kind of shit, some other company is going to come along and do it better. And that's where all the business will go to, hopefully. You know, competition and all that. You would hope, at least. You would think so, but it's been a long time. Like, so uh, I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, on a lighter note, if you want to um, follow my YouTube channel, it's youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts. My latest video was a taste testing video of all the wonderful Swedish candy that was sent to me by our listener Jade Destiny. So thank you so much, Jade. Me and my bandmate Stephanie tried a bunch of Swedish candy. Most of it, really good. Some of it, satanically horrible. I don't understand how you could go from the highest highs to the lowest lows with candy, but Sweden found a way. The salt. It was, they're called Djungelfrall or whatever, Jungle Scream. They're these black licorice drops covered in this ammonia chloride, which is a, a type of salt. And it lives up to the ammonia part. It tastes like blood. It's awful. <laughs> it's, uh, there's no reward, only punishment. I just don't understand. So, yeah, you can check us uh, trying that out. But uh, yeah, until next week, I hope you guys have a good rest of your week and don't die, don't cry, and try not to lie, and goodbye. <laughs> See ya. <laughs>
What's up, everybody? Just want to remind everyone that my album, The Nightmare Inside You, is still up for sale. And we have new band t-shirts as well. All of this is in the description of this podcast. So check it out. And if you dig the music, maybe consider supporting me. Now enjoy some more of the album. 